Welcome into this week's edition of AWA Unleashed. We like to call ourselves the number one preeminent number one podcast dedicated to reliving the memories and telling the stories of the American Wrestling Association. That's why it's AWA Unleashed. My name is Chris Tubbs, but by looking at the screen, you know that by listening to the show, you know that, but you also know that I'm not the only one here. I'm going to bring in Polish show and Nick Karch. They are here. We are all here. And our goal is to have fun for the next hour-ish and talk, uh, talk a lot of wrestling. That's pretty much what we do. I am going to disagree that we are the self-proclaimed preeminent because I think other people are on board with that. Um, I think we have long transcended being the self-proclaimed. And for that, we thank everybody for their incredible support and all the positive comments. Uh, both the fans and the people in the business have been just great, and uh, and we appreciate it. Well, and I like to refer to us as the major league of AWA podcasts. Plain who's, and who's uh, in second place? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know, but, I mean, you don't want to – you don't want to poke the bear, whoever the bear is, right? No, no, that, that that's true. But see, now if, if we can't say self-proclaimed preeminent, I need a new gimmick. That's that's the only Body thing. Body That's the only. Yeah. Well, okay, okay. I got two gimmicks. Speaking <laughs> of that, there's a reason the cameras from the the neck up, because you don't want to see the pudding down here, because the pudding is the pizza, and the pizza is you know body by pizza. There's one pizza that we have, and that is Seventh Avenue Pizza. If you've never seen it. You never heard about it. There it is. Whiz bang. Oh, it's gone. Oh, there it's there. Right there. 7th Avenue Pizza. 7thAvenuePizza.com. See, yes. See, now, Joe, you went like that, but my logo's on the Do it with your other hand. Well, when I'm what I'm seeing, I'm grabbing for the logo. But if you want me to do this, and if I do this, I might get into trouble. Good show, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you next week. Wow. Wow. Uh, way to, way to make something out of nothing there, Joe. Uh, wow. That's, that's the other way around, really. <laughs> I know. No, we love seventh Avenue pizza. We have it at, you know, a couple of times a week at my house, uh, seventh Avenue pizza.com. I'm going to put up the, uh, I'm going to put up the, uh, the scroll right there as well as a uh, soda stick, uh, co.com soda stick. That is where you can get your officially, uh, license AWA Unleashed Swag. We've got the t-shirts. We've got the personalized hoodie gimmick. Uh, so if you're looking for something, you know, it's going to start to get colder, believe it or not. We're actually getting into the middle part. No, hey, you can say whatever words you want, but don't say the C word and don't say the S word. Boy, there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, I'm not know. sure. Oh, you mean you mean cold and snow? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I mean, come on. What else would I bring up? Don't add lunch, probably, or I yeah. don't know. Hey, before we get going to the uh, to the no DQ and I'm gonna put the the soda stick up there one time. Um, before we get into that, just a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, if you have not already subscribed, uh, Mick and Joe have told me that they will pay for your YouTube subscription. Absolutely. They will pay for your YouTube subscription. All you have to do is go to the AWA Unleashed YouTube channel, 
hit the subscribe button. Mick and Joe will take care of the rest. That, is, know, that sure, is their sure gesture. Is, yeah. You know what's going to happen now? By the what? time this airs, YouTube will now have a new policy uh, where you have to pay for subscriptions, and then Joe and I are screwed. That's okay. I got Chris's credit card. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Little do you know, I'm maxed out. I've got bad credit. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the joke's on you. When you've got a credit score of 450, it really doesn't matter. Well, there, there's your new wrestling name. Mr. Maxed out. <laughs> Maxed out. Maxed out. <laughs> you could call me Mr. 350 because that's my credit score. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, um, as well as, as yeah, just subscribe to it, guys, because um, that is really a, a good way to help us. Uh, as well, we're going to do a couple more shows, and then we're going to take a couple weeks off because Joe's got some things coming up. Uh, Mick's got thing. I, I've got things. So what we're going to do is we're going to treat it like a fall TV state uh, season. We're going to be back the Tuesday after Labor Day. I don't know what day that is because I haven't looked at the calendar, but we're going to have uh, another episode uh, coming up. We're, we're still going to do a couple more, but there is going to be a couple of weeks in, in at the end of August that we're going to take some time off because uh, we do have some things going on. And if we're really going to execute these, we need some time to incorporate these is, is that the best way to to say guys yep and september 5th is the tuesday after labor day okay september 5th so uh that's mark that on your calendars but we'll let you know when we're when we're done so yeah. uh, a great opportunity for those that are coming in late we've got about 80 podcasts or 80 shows so yeah take the time go back and listen to some previous episodes and uh hopefully be entertained yeah, we yeah, and that's exactly right. We do have people that are kind of catching us, so uh, yeah, go back and listen and kind of catch up and kind of get the feel for you know the changes that we made. One of them, very 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 positive. Uh, not going to mention Joe by name, but you know Joe's you know one of the reasons why this thing is really popped. All right, guys, this is a no DQ and A. Uh, we've got so many questions that I mean we got to keep doing these because we just. We don't have enough shows to put in all the questions, but are you guys ready? Because we're going to crank through these after our, what, six and a half minutes of, of bullshit. Finally, to, to ready to get into the, the nuts and bolts of it. Ready to rumble. Let's, Let's go. go. Ring that bell. All right. Well, David Arquette never worked for AWA, so uh, let me say that. Get it ready to rumble? Never mind. I, I, I got it. Okay. Yeah, we, got, we got the connection. We okay. got it. That's why we're not laughing. God, that was so <laughs> pathetic on my part. Okay. Anyway, dad, it's a great dad joke. <laughs> okay. For you, Joe, from Jerry Handler, um, we've mentioned doing a watch along like Mystery Science Theater for the Whitewater show, but he wants to know doesn't Vince own the rights to that debacle? Like Vince has pretty much got the rights to everything else. Yes. Vince does indeed own. Everything owns the AWA, the, the logo, everything uh, to do with it, including the footage. Um, I really would love to do the watch along, not just watch or watch water, white water, but, you know, to do the other ones. I'm thinking that we go ahead and do it and let's just promote that. Hey, go to the AW or AWA. Wow. Can we start this over? Hold on. Ready? Um, okay. Like three. Two, one. No, so 
you know, WWE, if you're watching, well, for those with the WWE that are watching, we'd love to use the AWA video footage and promote that. Hey, go to the WWE network, or I guess part of Peacock now and watch all of the old AWA matches or at least what they have on there. I think it'd be a great way to cross promote. So let's take this as the push forward as we proceed with future episodes to do a watch along, incorporate some video footage, match footage, you know, some other stuff. And we're doing it for from a historical perspective. This was the AWA. Let's take a look back at it. Where can you see it? Well, glint, a gl- glance on AWA Unleashed. Go see the whole package on the Peacock Network, a.k.a. WWE. So uh, kind of to, to uh, follow up with that, there was uh, another one there from Rob Geisler, kind of in the same vein, Joe. After the AWA shut its doors, was there somebody else that claimed to have a, a right to the AWA name? <laughs> um, yes, there was. Um, he uh, he did not have the rights to the AWA name. I believe uh, he tried to use AWA superstars and received cease and desist letters from Vern, later from the WWE. And this person even went as far as proclaiming that he was related to the Ganya family. And I can tell you right now with 100% certainty, there was no, there is no relationship to the Ganya family from this other gentleman who shall rename nameless. But uh, he ended up getting sued, um, ended up having some issues with some shows that he did promote under the AWA Superstars banner. And um, shall we just say that uh, he's no longer promoting and uh, sort of like a skid mark on the professional mm-hmm. wrestling underwear of history. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I, I remember I remember that individual when... Uh, yeah, let's yeah, and he show. still owes me seven hundred and fifty bucks from nineteen eighty-eight. So, but, <laughs> I feel yeah. like we need a Mori Povich. You are not related to the Ganya. Yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, this one's for me. I saw Steve O at the AWA reunion. He looks great. What is he doing these days? Any chance to have him on the podcast? Uh, as far as I know, I believe he's in the financial world, doing very well for himself, uh, which is great because you like to see these individuals when they're done with the wrestling business to actually have something else that is, is going to be their main source of income. Uh, as for having him on the, on the podcast, if it ever works out, I, I would love to be able to coordinate with him uh, whenever we would possibly get that, uh, get the opportunity. I, I know that he's busy and, you know, we've tried a couple of times to reach out and, and get him on. Uh, I would love to get him on. It's just a matter of logistics and, yeah, hopefully down the road we can coordinate it and and carve out an hour or so to to get him on the show because I I know that you know he's somebody that you know, fans remember fondly. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, looking forward to getting Steve O on the on the program. All right, let's go to the uh, the next one here for you, Mick, uh, from Tyler Kirk. 
said he saw a match on YouTube from the AWA October 1973 uh, episode, and I swear a fan named Mike Crotch. Mike Crotch. Mike Crotch. Mike Crotch got Don Morocco tossed in his lap. Uh, Do you know anything about this? I know uh, a lot about it. Um, I was there portraying Mike Crotch, I believe, and uh, (laughs) what happened... uh, I believe it was it was Don Morocco and Billy Robinson teaming up against Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch. And there you see you see that goof on the left there with those those sunglasses or whatever. That's My a great Ray Charles impersonation. Yeah, yeah, you know the the hippie there. Uh, that is the aftermath. Now Billy Robinson is not rubbing Don Morocco's head into the mat. He is actually picking Don up. Uh, what had happened? We in the Bachwinkle Brigade had a tendency to uh, to pick on some of the baby faces, and uh, you know shout our displeasure with them. And Don Morocco was uh, was the recipient of some of our verbal attacks. And all of a sudden, at one point in the match, uh, Don Morocco is launched through the ropes right in the general direction of yours truly, and he came crashing in. I mean, this guy. Did not pump the brakes at all, and uh, he went into the uh, the slickster in the front row there. And after the match was over, Don Don was a good friend, and uh, you see the young lady to uh, to your right there. She apparently you know was was not concerned about my well being at that point. Um, was she but, your date? Was she your date at the time? No, as a matter of fact, at the time she was the vice president of the Bachwinkle Brigade. There you go. And, uh, you know, uh, but bottom line is we talked to Don afterward and he said, I told you I was going to get you if you kept going. Sooner <laughs> or later, I was going to get you. And he did. The Morocco missile uh, came flying into the nether region of, uh, of this uh, young fan at ringside. And uh, it's out there on YouTube, guys, you know, whether Vince owns it or whatever. Um, it's about the 18 minute mark of that particular match. And. Man, yeah, it's. Uh, I I gotta ask, and I always ask this when I see somebody doing this. Why were you wearing dark sunglasses? Hell, even sunglasses indoors. Were were you were were you going from Mike Crotch to Guy Incognito? Marty O'Neill was my idol. And uh, Marty always came out with the with these sunglasses, uh, and, and you, Chupik, of all people, you know those TV lights are, are quite bright. You who begs for the spotlight, you uh, are aware of how bright those, those forty watt bulbs are, and I, you know, I wanted to protect what little eyesight I had left. Uh, the Ray Charles reference was certainly not. Not needed. Uh, but <laughs> okay, Stevie Wonder. Sorry. Well, I, yeah, it, it was a wonder that I made it through some of those tapings. But um, there's your answer to that question. Can we move on because we've already lost three quarters of our audience? <laughs> I mean, we've got one person that's watching us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's a question that I was asked some time ago, um, and I can't remember who asked it, but I apologize. When we're talking about the Jerry Blackwell turn. What did he think of the turn? Like going from heel to, to babyface was, was he on board with it? Was he not? I mean, how did, how did he react? Like what was his response to being turned babyface? This is, this is all secondhand hearsay. 
Jerry loved it. I mean, you know, he, he had he had been in the AWA for about, oh, five years or so, four or five years as a hated heel. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the baby face pop that he got uh, in the Battle Royal. And, you know, from that point on, and there, there's Jerry against uh, Hulk Hogan uh, back in the day. Uh, Jerry, at that point, you know, he probably had another three, four years left in the business. Uh, his health had taken a hit uh, for a while. Uh, so it, I, I think it was a, a pleasant change for him. And I've mentioned before, virtually every heel who had any longevity in the AWA, whether it was Mad Dog Vachon or The Crusher or, or you name it, eventually turned babyface. And uh, and Jerry, man, when he did it, it was such a smooth transition. They loved the good old country boy. And the fact that he was uh, facing off against Adnan L. Casey uh, certainly did not uh, hurt his cause. So I, you know, again, speculating, I think Jerry was more than fine with it. And he made a lot of money. And Jerry, oh, you're, you're muted, Chris. So while you unmute, Jerry, Jerry was a pro. He would he would do what's going to be best for the business where he was. And and like you, Mick, this is all hearsay. But um, working with Jerry, he just wanted to do what was best for the business. And because if it was best for the business, and in this case specifically for him, that meant more people wanting to come to the matches and more money in his pocket. So Jerry never really ruffled a whole lot of feathers behind the scenes. Um, he, he, he did it. Well, whatever Vern wanted to do, essentially. You know, they kind of got me thinking here, guys, as kind of a side to that. So many of the most popular baby faces were also just really notorious bad guys. Did, did Vern, I mean, it seemed like there were only a handful of individuals throughout the history of the AWA that either stayed, uh, you know, a villain or a fan favorite. D did Vern, did you feel like Vern saw something in, in having a really, you know, one guy's hot this way and he can be hot the other way? Because it seemed like, I mean, Lear Hedig, Crusher, Jerry Blackwell, Mad Dog. It's like there are so many of these, you know, icons of the AWA that, were at the top of the list on both sides. I think the AWA, uh, as opposed to other promotions, Chris, the guys who were there for a long time were there for a long time. I mean, it you know, it's, it's certainly a lot different than it is today. And people, you know, they grew on people. And and the AWA, I think, probably more than any other promotion, you know, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here, um, turned a lot of the heels baby face after a while and made a ton of money off of them. And I can't think of too many instances where it didn't pan out really well. Uh, did Vern have foresight? You know, absolutely. Uh, has it been done in other promotions? Yeah. But I think the AWA probably did it better than anybody, if you think about it. And again, we mentioned Mad Dog and, and Crusher and Dick the Bruiser and, and Nick Bockwinkle and Pampero mm -hmm. Furple yeah, and the yeah. I mean, the, the, the list, list goes, goes on and on. Yeah, the list goes on and on. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with just how damn good these guys were. You know, they could make that transition and it was a believable, believable transition. And they had grown on people in some cases, like with Bachwinkle, I think people just were waiting to cheer them. They just, you know, they had this respect built up. 
uh, over the years. So again, uh, as far as transitioning, heal the baby face, AWA did it expertly. No question. Okay. Chris, I got a question for you. Yes. Um, Doug Farmer sent this one in. You've said that your least favorite AWA wrestler once he started watching was the Trooper. Mm-hmm. So who was your favorite from when you started watching? I would have to say I, there, there were two guys that stood out to me because they were just they were faster and they were more exciting than anybody that I had seen. And, and that was a young version of the Midnight Rockers. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention their names because I don't, I, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want to lose you any more money, Mick. Um, but I, I like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty because to me, they were different than anything else that I'd seen in wrestling. You know, and I was a young kid and I liked guys that were, you know, they were smaller, they were quicker, they were more energetic, they were doing, you know, high-flying moves that people just, I hadn't seen things like that before. And I was just, I was blown away by just how cool it looked. I just thought they were, it was so neat and different. And I was like, these guys are doing things that I'm never, ever going to see. So I I would have to say the Rockers. You know, and the thing is, too, Chris uh, and Joe, I'm sure you'll agree with this. When when Chris came in in the mid to late 80s, uh, the Midnight Rockers were red hot here, and they were one of the really bright lights in the AWA. Of course, you know, starting them in the feud with uh, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers was brilliant. Yeah, that was a great, that was a great feud. Like that, oh. that, that blood feud, the blood match, I, that is going to be, that's one thing that I'm going to always remember. That's going to be one of the, the main memories of my childhood watching that one live. Yeah. And you know, Chris, again, you're from an era where the rock and roll express were red hot, you know, back in the day and the midnight yeah. rockers, of course. Uh, so they were classic baby faces and uh, it, it worked. They, they were so over in the AWA. So I, I mean, I can certainly understand that, especially as a young guy, you know, just catching on with the AWA towards the end there, you're looking at these guys as, as the real deal. And yeah, uh, yeah I couldn't, couldn't disagree with that. Just still, still stuck on the trooper by, by the way, as far yeah. as, you know, a dislike, but you know, I just, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. It was just, maybe it was just like the law enforcement thing. Okay. I, I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't like the cop thing. I didn't like the trooper. Th- I, I don't know. It's like, I, I didn't really, at that point as a kid, maybe I just had had bad experience with them, but I was like, I just, I don't, I don't like this guy coming out. He seems like, so did, did, did you dislike uh, switching leagues and a little bit of a time frame? Did you dislike the big boss man as well? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. I think, I think you're just, uh, well, we know what you don't like. Yeah, I, I don't like what I, I know. I, I like the Rockers, too, because, you know, all the girls were fawning over them. And well, you we, weren't alone, buddy. There were uh, they were over. Yeah. Well, I mean, to to look at me, I was living vicariously through them because, I mean, I was not exactly a ladies man in high school. And well, now we know the stories and I'm still fawning over them. Quick side note on that yes. bloodbath with Rose mm-hmm. and Summers. That is only one of two matches that I've ever worked where I'm in the truck and I had to remind myself that I was actually working and I couldn't sit and fully be entertained by 
that yeah. phenomenal match. And the other one, uh, as I've said on previous episodes, was Kurt Nick yep. uh, that aired on New Year's Eve. Those two matches I marked out on, and I needed to remind myself, hey, Joe, you need to snap out of this. You got a, <laughs> you got a production to do in the truck. So Joe and a lot of they were that good. You know, the, la the last two hurrahs for the AWA, I think, were those two feuds. Uh, no question. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Those five, Rose, Summers, Janetti, Michaels, and Sherry, like, that combination was brilliant together. Yep. No uh, this one this one for you, Joe, from Chelsea Johnstone. How did you personally feel about Eric Bischoff, and were you surprised he achieved what he did in the business? <sighs> Um, let, let's start with the second part first. I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, uh, I mean, in, in a way, I guess I, I was surprised, but Eric always had that approach that he was going to be successful and he took the bull by the horns and, uh, and, and became huge. You know, he, he is he, he is a legend. I mean, people in wrestling know the name Eric Bischoff. Um, as far as how I personally feel about Eric, I, I don't have any animosity with him. In fact, uh, ran into him uh, February of 2020. He was up at a heavy on wrestling show uh, up in Duluth, Minnesota. And it's the first time I'd seen Eric since 19... 90 and it's the first time i talked to him since 1992 and the 1992 phone conversation he actually had called me to ask me if i had any interest in coming down to produce wcw and i said hey what's the offer he goes hey i just got this i uh, you know you're one of my first calls and uh, let me get some more details and I'll call you back. I thought, great. Um, you know, going to be moving down to Atlanta. Well, week went by, a couple of weeks went by, month went by, a few months went by. I reached out to him. Now, remember, this is 92. This is pre-internet. So, you know, cell phones were, were barely a thing. And I kept calling, never got a return phone call. Eventually, I just said, well, screw this. I'm, you know, obviously this isn't happening. And then I see on TV that WCW is happening and good things are happening. And I'll admit I was, you know, a little upset. Not that I didn't go down to work for WCW, but that someone who I had considered a friend who I'd given rides home to many times, I knew his wife and kids and uh, I thought that, you know, I would at least get a phone call back to say, hey, Joe, plans have changed and it didn't happen. Well, I never got that call. And so I asked Eric about it up in Duluth and uh, he looks at me and has that Bischoff smile. And at the end of the conversation, um, his reply was, well, you should have contacted me. I just looked at him and I just said, Eric shook his hand, gave him a hug, and, you know, and, and that was it. I, life is too short. There, there's, there's less than a handful of people on this planet that uh, I've worked with that I wouldn't work with again. Um, 
Eric wasn't one of them and he isn't one of them, you know, but it didn't turn out the way it happened, you know, with Eric, so be it. Congratulations on a success, Eric. Um, what you've done and what you move on doing in the future. I know he's got his own podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no animosity. I wish you would have had that opportunity that uh, he had at least teased me with, but never happened. Water under the bridge and I moved on and still in Minnesota. No regrets. You know, it's funny that people do have a problem returning uh, emails and phone calls and text messages. <laughs> yeah, so that, just... that will happen. Not worth the energy in my book. Nope. Uh, this one for you, uh, for you, Mick, from Bobby Sorkin. What was your opinion of Scott Norton's time in the AWA as opposed to when he was in WCW? Total waste. Um, and the reason I say total waste, uh, I like Scott Norton and I like John Nord. Uh, the lumberjack gimmick was what it was back in that time frame in the AWA. But Scott Norton, the heel uh, in the NWO and Scott Norton in Japan as a monster heel, that's Scott Norton. Uh, I kind of thought the, uh, the lumberjacks was kind of a wasted gimmick for both of them. Uh, for both Nord and uh, and Norton. Uh, Scott Norton was a real talent. And I think, you know, in terms of heels in the business, he's very underrated. So, uh, uh, you know, again, as far as his time in the AWA, man, they could have done so much more with him. And uh, the other promotions did. And like I say, mm-hmm. in Japan, massively over. And, uh, and I, I, again, Scott Norton to me, criminally underrated as a heel. And I think the AWA missed the boat on that one. The thickest human being I've ever seen, ever been around. He was massive. He was as thicker than Jerry Blackwell, but certainly put together a lot better than Jerry, with all due respect to Jerry. Scott was just a beast. And had his own zip code. Yeah, and his and his nickname when he first came into the AWA was Scott Flash Norton because yep. he was yes. an arm wrestling legend. I mean, he was he he went against the best in the business at the time. But Scott, yeah, good guy, never had any problems with him. Just massive, and I yep. agree with you, Mick. I think he got uh, misused here in the AWA. Well, it almost seems like if you've got two big strong guys that have you know that rugged look like it seems like a lumberjack is just kind of an easy gimmick right it's almost like a default gimmick well you're big you're strong you got the beard and really masculine you know we're just gonna make you a lumberjack because that'll fit yeah it was an easy gimmick and it was the wrong gimmick and uh, scott did much better elsewhere yep uh here's another one for uh i think this is um for all of us here uh, from Charlie Glenn Rose, name one wrestler in the AWA that you wished would have turned heel. So, uh, Mick, let's uh, start with you. I, I have said this on previous podcasts, uh, Brad Ringens. And the reason I say Brad Ringens is because Brad had kind of a stoic personality. Uh, Joe and I and Chris, we've talked about this on the podcast many times. It was probably the, the lack of promo ability. Uh, lack of fire that kind of was a detriment to Brad. 
Uh, but look at that face right now. And, man, I would put Bobby Heaton next to him. And I would, you know, just say, you know, this is an Olympian. This guy's the real deal. He's a hired gun. He's a hired gun. And you want somebody that's going to get it done. And like Bobby would say, take him uptown, downtown, all around the town. Uh, Brad Ringens was the guy. I, I would love to have seen that. And I think that would have elevated Brad's career. Not that he had a bad career. Uh, he didn't, but I, I could just see him as a heel. That's a heel face right there. Uh, did you have one, Joe? Or was I agree hundred percent? Go ahead, Chris. You're next on the list. You started talking first, and then I'll do mine. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, the more that I think about it, the more, uh, you know, at first I went with his partner, but the more I think about it, I feel like Greg Gagne could have just gone on a really good heel run because he could have gone with the entitled. You know, my dad runs it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways that he could have gone the chicken shit way. I just, and this is all hindsight, right? This is all hindsight on what I, on, you know, how I'm feeling about it now. But I feel like if you've got the owner's son who just is running around, can do whatever he wants, no repercussions, can cheat, can take, can lie, you know, can cut all the corners and just be a dick about things. I just feel like Greg Gagne could have done that. And, you know, you team him with somebody that could do his heavy lifting. All of a sudden you've got this entitled snotty kid who can basically just, you know, he can get whatever he wants because he's the owner's son. I'm going to agree with you. Chris, but I'm going to go one step further. And I actually had this conversation with Greg um, in, in the later years. It would have been, I'd say late 87, early 88. Okay. Greg turns heel, but so does Vern. And Vern manages Greg. So everything that you just said, mm -hmm. but you also have the architect behind him to do all of those dastardly deeds from the guy who controls everything. So think of what Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon had in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I believe it or not, I suggested, now I'm not saying the exact same storylines or anything, but I had suggested to Greg, have Vern turn heel. Would never have happened. Vern loved his babyface status right to the end. You know, Joe, that's a great point about Vern and taking him out of the equation and just focusing on Greg as a heel. Um, Greg probably could have gotten away with it, Chris, because he already had his detractors and people that were booing him anyway. So you just lean into it. Yep. Yeah, but, but I, I, I think Greg was probably like a Vern. You know, when they booed Greg in Chicago when he wrestled Ronnie Garvin, a small contingent of fans booed him. And Greg didn't like it. You know, he did, did not take to it very well. And he actually addressed it in his aftermatch promo. Uh, could he have pulled it off? Absolutely. You know, sure he could. Yeah, Greg was a great talent. And I agree with you, Chris. He could have flown right into that. I don't think he would have been so eager to do it. So there you go. I agree 100%, Mick. 100%. All right. Let's uh, go with this one for you, Mick, from Andy Augustine. Uh, he was always a fan of Stan Kowalski. Uh, 
um, the big K, remember you telling the story of when he quit wrestling. Can you share that again? Stan Kowalski, of course, had been a main eventer, uh, not only at the inception of the AWA, but even prior to uh, back in the 1950s when they were still NWA. And Stan in the early days was a, a major star here. Uh, you know, as his career kind of wound down a little bit, even into the 1960s, he was teaming up with uh, Jay York, the Alaskan, uh, here in the AWA area, and they were a, a top heel tag team. You get into the early 70s, now Stan has kind of evolved into the managerial role, whether it's, uh, you know, Kobayashi or Ivan Koloff or whoever. And he started being utilized more as a veteran who would get into the ring with the young guys and kind of teach them, teach them the ropes. Uh, there's Stan on the left, Tiny Mills on the right, very first AWA tag team champions. Uh, Stan would, would uh, take the new guys through their paces. He'd even put some of them over, uh, you know, so he, he was doing whatever they asked him to do. Mid-1970s, I think 76, I wouldn't swear to it, uh, I was at the auditorium, and Stan walked in. He's in the locker room for a couple of minutes, and I see him walk out, and he's storming out, and he's got his bag with him. I, Where are you going? He says, I'll be goddamned if I'm going to work standby, uh, meaning the AWA told him, well, we got a full card, Stan. Thanks for coming down. If we got a place for you, we'll find it uh, for tonight. Otherwise, you know, we appreciate you coming down. I don't even know if they offered him trans money from Fridley or not. Stan went home, took his bag. This is a true story. Took his duffel bag, put it up in the attic, and did not wrestle again. He quit the business. And uh, he said, you know, when, when, I, when it comes to the point where I'm working standby, I'm done. And, uh, and he was. And I have to believe that was the turning point in the Ganya-Stan Kowalski relationship. Uh, they'd made money together in the 1960s, but Stan took this personally and I get it. Wow. Never heard of that story before. There you yeah, go. that's, I, I mean, you hear about people that'll be, you know, upset and they'll storm out and you can come back and, you know, eventually, you know, you, you let bygones be bygones. But man, to, to just throw your duffel bag up and be like, I'm done and stick to your guns. Yeah. And I think Stan was at like 50, 51 years old at, the, yeah. at that point. He had so done he it didn't, all. Yeah. He, did, he didn't need to work anymore then. No, apparently. no, he didn't. And I think he felt dissed because he had, again, put these young guys over, go to a yeah. 20 minute draw with them or, you know, w whatever the case may be. But yeah, he was a man of conviction and that was it mm -hmm. for Stan. I got, I got to respect, you know, sticking to your guns for sure. Yep. Yep. And going out on his own terms. Yeah, exactly. and that's and that's a good point. That's a good point, Joe. Uh, this one's for you, Joe, from Valerie and Alan Swanson. Um, do you remember one of Vern Gagne's being part daughters being part of All Star Wrestling? How was she to work with? And was she the one that was married to Larry Zabisco? Uh, no, she was not. Uh, Donna Gagne was the on-air uh, personality for the AWA. Kathy Gagne is the one that married. Larry Zabisco. Um, in fact, uh, side note for Kathy is she is the one, it's because of her that I got my job with the AWA. Um, Donna to work with, you know, um, I got along with Donna. 
you know, she was very nice and, and so forth. And I got to believe that the pressure on her was quite great to be an on-air talent. You had her dad uh, being a star for all of the years, her brother Greg being a star for all of those years. And Donna was not going to be a, a wrestler. Uh, but she became, as you can see here, she was doing um, ringside rumors before the AWA answering fans uh, mail that came in. And um, God, that's a really, that's a really good gimmick. It, it, you know, it was a good segment, you know, it was done well. Um, I'm going to go back to the pressure thing and, yeah. and, and use that because the segments, there were times where we would have to do a lot of stop starts. Donna would, uh, you know, she was a perfectionist and wanted to get the segment right and so forth. And, there were days and times that, you know, got a lot to do and don't need to spend an hour on a two-minute segment, but I did. It's a boss's daughter, you know, grin and bear it type of a thing. I, again, I got along well with Donna. Segment was good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, uh, let's go to the next one here. I'm going to stop my screen there. Uh, uh, this one is, for me, from Mike DeFresney. Hopefully I said your name right, Mike. Uh, recently watched Devon Wagner compete on NXT. Uh, is there any chance we could have his dad, Wayne Bloom, on the show? Or uh, how about Jesse? Thanks for all you do. I'd love to get both those guys on. Uh, I feel like Wayne Bloom might be a, a little more attainable. Mike you know, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos, along with the destruction or the um, Texas Hangman, those were two tag teams that I remember very, very well uh, from my later stages of, of the AWA. So I, I would love to get uh, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos. I'd love to get them both on uh, if they have the time. Jesse obviously would be a huge coup. Uh, but again, it just comes down to logistics. Would I love to have them both on? <laughs> Hell yeah, I would. Something right. work towards, we'll see. Yep, there we go. And I've got pictures, but I'll get those up later. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, well, I can now because we're past the uh, we're past the, the question. Uh, this one for you, Mick, from Jerry Sambura. If you take the Jerry Blackwell turn and various pops that Hulk Hogan got from the fans in the AWA, what was the loudest response for a good guy slash babyface that you experienced live? Um, I would have to say. And I know we, we, we've got a picture of this guy ready to go. Jack Lanza. When Black Jack Lanza uh, turned on Bobby Heenan and left the Heenan family. Uh, and there's a show at the St. Paul Civic Center, and I'm sure they did this kind of all around the horn, where Jack came out in all white. White uh, cowboy hat, white jacket, white boots. That place erupted. Uh, not only because he had turned on Bobby Heenan, but it was totally unexpected. People are expecting the same old blackjack Lanza with the black cowboy hat and boots and everything else to come out from behind the curtain. And here Jack comes out all in white. And it was, I'm telling you, they absolutely blew the roof off the St. Paul Civic Center. Uh, I've heard some loud pops. Uh, that is That is right up there. That was nuclear. 
And uh, and Jack, another guy, made that transition, went from heel to baby face without a hitch. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a moment. I love the subtlety and when he was a bad guy, it's black, but you're a white, you're a, a, a good guy. You wear white. Yep. Like it's, it's very, very clear. And it's just those subtle things. Like you said, Mick, it's a whole new person, a whole new demeanor, a whole new persona. And I can only imagine like what that response was when you see, when you see black Jack Lanza coming out in, in all white. Chris, it was his definitive split from Bobby Heenan. I think it yeah. was what it was. And he came out and the spotlight was on him. And he was still called Blackjack, even though he was wearing Still it. called Blackjack Lanza, you know, and and uh, what what a great talent. God, I miss that guy. But, yeah, that, that was a moment for sure. I remember when that uh, turn happened. And, yeah, I'm going to be dating myself on this. But the first thing that I thought of back in the day was the spy versus spy in the mad comics. You had the bad black guy or bad, bad black spy and the good white spy. I don't know. When, when you brought it up this time, it just gave me flashbacks to the old spy versus spy comic. Huge pop. Chris, you had to be there. It was amazing. This one is for you, Joe. We got about three. Well, we got three left and I think we can squeeze them all in here. We got about 15 minutes left on the show. Uh, this one for you, Joe, from Benji Rosen. On those TV taping days, which of the guys were more animated and fun and who kept to themselves? So when you say TV taping days, I'm going to refer to the interview days. Um, I, I hope that's what you're referring to. Those TV taping days were interesting in so many different ways in terms of the guys that were most animated and fun the easy one to say first is kurt henning because kurt kurt was a living rib he lived to rib he just loved to have fun and if he could do it at somebody else's expense he would do it another guy Playboy Buddy Rose. What Buddy loved to do, especially for somebody that, uh, whether they were a, a new wrestler or somebody new to the territory, they'd be cutting a promo and Buddy, all 217,000 pounds of them, would just casually walk right by my right by the camera, if I was I was running the camera in those early days, he'd go in or in front of or just off to the side of the camera, turn around, bend over, pull down his shorts, and spread his cheeks to try to get the new the newbies to crack up and break up and have to redo the interview, and not surprisingly mission accomplished more times than not. I mean, how can, I don't know if it was out of disgust for what they were seeing or just out of sheer humor, but. Joe, his ass alone was 217 pounds. Come on. Yeah. We, we know that. I love the guy, but come on. Yeah, yeah. I think That's he, a freaking moon landing. I think you know? he's the nickname Batcave uh, after doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. times. Um, but on the flip side of it, one of the guys who uh, just sort of kept to himself, and he pretty much did most of the time during the interview days, was uh, Paul Diamond from Bad Company. Ah. 
Um, Paul, he just came and, uh, uh, by the way, a, a former professional soccer player, fantastic athlete. And uh, he just, he came in, did his shtick, did his interviews, uh, asked for some input, and then he would just go back and sit down and, and chill. Um, Paul was just, he was there to do his job, and that was it. And a good worker. Yes, yes. Yep. Oh, and Mick, you are now as, <laughs> hold on, these are my glasses? Let's see. No, hey, but you're vodka, but you're blurry as hell again. Are those, are those my gummies kicking in? <laughs> Must Boy, be I hope they don't kick in like they did in Waterloo or we're uh, screwed. Hey. <laughs> we'll go to black all of a sudden. And, <laughs> as, long, as long as I hit the end recording button. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, oh, my God. You are so blurry, Mick. This is the best you've ever looked. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, hey, Mick, this one's It's like he's in the witness protection program oh, right man. now. Oh, boy. Hey, this one's for you, Mick, from Scott Berg. Uh, his dad says he remembers Larry Hennig running a nightclub back in the day. Do you remember that? And I'm going to give you full screen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Well, you're not... <laughs> You're not kidding. You look and, awful. And you know the the sad part about this is that when it when it's like this, it almost gives the impression that my hair is white. You know, so that's that's not a good deal. And here uh, I thought really, you put I thought you put one of those enhancement filters on, you know, to make you your face know all about enhancement filters. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll see if I can get through this. Just ignore that ghost on the screen. Uh, Larry Henning, yes, he owned the By George Inn, which was at Lake George, kind of in the St. Cloud area. It was a nightclub, and a lot of the guys uh, spent some time at the at the By George Inn when they would come into town. And this is just a great picture. Uh, that is actually at Larry's establishment. And if we're starting on the left, we've got uh, Baron Von Raschke, George Clooney. Uh, then we've got Buddy Wolf. Larry Hainimi, Al Darusha, uh, the waitress in the background. We've got Crippler Ray Stevens, who kind of looks like a leprechaun there, actually. <laughs> uh, and then Nick Bockwinkel, of course. And to the far right is Horst Hoffman. And they're all in front of Larry, or Larry's in front of everybody. And talk about the camaraderie, the old days in the AWA. I just, that, that's just a keeper picture. And... Uh, Probably goes back, I want to say, 1972-ish, uh, somewhere around that time frame. But, yeah, the By Georgian, uh, one of Larry Hennig's uh, business dealings away from the ring. So, if I'm not mistaken, there's only two that are still with us? Uh, let's see. Alan we got, Baron? Uh, we, we got, uh, yes, we got, well, Larry Hainimi. Okay. Larry Hainimi and, of course, Al Darusha and the Baron. And... Uh, I don't know about Horst Hoffman. I, I don't know if he's still with us or not. But uh, yeah, kind of a melancholy picture there, guys. Mm -hmm. back, yeah, back it's, it's a it's a good picture. I, that that's it's a really good picture because it does really show the camaraderie. It does. We got one more. We do have one more, and this is so blurry. Oh my god, I just I can't get over that. I wish you I wish you would have gone blurry like way earlier in the show. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I've been told that on, on several high school dates, too. Uh, from, from Kevin Willenboro. Uh, he remembers the mighty Igor doing a feat of strength on TV with his manager back then. Is he hallucinating, or did this actually happen? And we got, like, uh, two minutes for it, guys. 
The mighty Igor was one of the first guys to do these feats of strength on television. Good God. Uh, <laughs> don't go to the picture for God's sakes. Uh, the mighty Igor and his manager, former wrestler uh, Ivan Kolmakov, and they did a gimmick where the mighty Igor would uh, would cover his head just with a towel, and Ivan Kolmakov would take a cinder block and put it on top of the towel, on top of the mighty Igor's head, and he would hit it with a sledgehammer and break the cinder block up, and uh, that that was kind of the feat of strength. The mighty Igor, of course, the, the late Dick Garza, a uh, legendary strongman in the business. The interesting thing about that, a uh, little-known fact, that was the precursor to what the management at the Croatian Hall uh, had to do with Joe Chupik at closing time uh, to get him to uh, to put down the vodka and leave the bar. They would actually uh, put a cloth over Joe's head and then a cinder block and hit him over the head and uh, and cart him out of the, the Croatian Hall. The one or two times that he was there. Once again, nothing but a fabrication. They never used the towel. They just went straight cinder block. That explains it. Yeah. Well, before I fade into computer <laughs> here, Rod Serling is turned over in his grave right now. Wow. It's just, it's just it's gotten so bad. <laughs> My God, it's horrible. It's, it's oh, horrible. It's the best he's ever looked. I know. Oh, let's get some shout-outs here, guys. Yeah, enjoy your, enjoy your time here, guys. Are we having shout-outs now? Is that what you said? I got a shout-out, but I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, let's go, uh, let's go shout-out here, Mick. At least uh, the, at least the scroll is going to be clear. With that, that's right. As opposed to you know my conversation, my visage, whatever. Uh, the shout out this week goes to my friend. <laughs> um, shout out goes to my buddy Mike Fishman. I have known Mike for going on fifty years. Longtime wrestling fan, so loyal to the AWA back in the day. Big Ray Stevens fan, and uh, Mike, love you, buddy, and uh, shout-out goes to you. My shout-out goes to every AWA fan who can still focus, yes, pun intended, <laughs> on the old days of the AWA. And, uh, See that? I, you know, I'm guessing, I, I just saw a blur. But I'm yeah, well, yeah, you can that. Yeah. Don't, don't about that. Was that in focus for you? Oh, now oh, you're not in focus. Oh. Now you're in focus. It's the magic. <laughs> I don't know. All I had to do was flip the bird and I came back in focus. Remember that next time we have technical difficulties. Yeah, you who was giving a shout out to Martians a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, that, 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 shit, that was Max Headroom, by the way. Yeah. Um, but no, every AWA fan last week I thanked Chris and Mick because without them, we wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah. I got to extend that out to every one of you who are watching us or listening to us right now. And for those AWA fans who still have not found us, if it wasn't for you tuning in, we wouldn't be in the 80s now. I think this is our 81st. Yeah, I wasn't involved in every one, but... For AWA Unleashed, 81 episodes. And if it wasn't for your watching 
your yes. fandom and you tuning in to watch us, we well, we might still be here. Well, Mick would be out of focus, but it, thank you because it's because of you and Mick and Chris that I'm here spewing and rambling on like an idiot and giving Mick crap about being out of focus more <laughs> times than not. So thank you to every AWA fan out there. You know, yeah. I'm just wondering if my, I'm sorry, Chris, I'm stepping on your uh, shot. No, 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 no. By, I, I, well, Scott Heddle, you're my shout out because you're a good dude. Oh, Scott Heddle's a great guy. Scott, oh, Scott Heddle's great. Thanks for your support, Scott. Super guy. I was just checking to see if the cat has been fucking around with the, the cord for the for the uh, webcam here. Maybe that's what happened. She didn't get her spot this week, so maybe she's... Uh, you know, chewing on the cord. I, She's I doing know. the Stan Kowalski. She took her catnip and just is not coming back. Man, if it's like this, imagine what it'd be like for your OnlyFans. <laughs>